You Betcha She Did is sponsored by John Erline Photography. Ladies, have you arrived? You betcha you have. But you know your LinkedIn headshot? It might need a little love. Don't worry. John Erline Photo has you covered. John will coach you on the perfect expression that will help create a connection with your professional network. And to be honest, that's what we want, right? Connection and opportunities. When people respect you, they treat you differently. So schedule a new kind of headshot experience with John Erline Photo. Booking is easy and fast. You can schedule your session today at www.johnerlinephoto, that's J-O-N-E-R-L-I-E-N, photo.com. Your image is worth it. Did she really do that? You betcha she did. The podcast where female entrepreneurs and women who have paved the way share their wit and wisdom. I'm your host, Raina Rokicki. Today, my guest, Missy Lukey, is definitely a woman who has paved the way, or rather, sailed the way. (laughs) She um, has sailed throughout the Great Lakes, down the eastern seaboard of the United States to the Caribbean, through the teeny tiny... Panama Canal, all the way across the Pacific, and all, most of that at least, during COVID. She is back in Wisconsin, ready to tell us about her adventure. Misty, I I have so many questions for you. I guess I'll start with, how did sailing come into your life? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. We were on a trip in the Philippines, and we were with a, a good buddy, and we had heard about this pretty remote island with a surf break and an amazing family to stay with. And we, I mean, it took us like two days to get out to this island via trains, planes, automobiles, the whole bit. And by the time we got out there, we were on this, we, like I said, we were staying with this incredible family and the boys went out surfing. And as they paddled out, somebody paddled around the corner from like around the break. And they were like, this is crazy. Where did you come from? And the guy said, oh, my sailboat, I live on my boat. And that kind of sparked this idea, this new way of travel and started the ball rolling. Okay. That makes sense. I know I was wondering if you had grown up sailing. It's because of your other interests and adventures that kind of sparked like, here's how we can get to these yeah. These other things we want to do. Yeah, neither one of us actually really grew up sailing, you know, been around the water. I've never been on a sailboat prior to a few years ago. And so, yeah, it was more just a means of travel and a really cool way to see the world. Nice. So how, so what happened after that? Like, did you guys end up buying your first boat? Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, we did. So we had friends at the time in the lakes with a boat. And so we started sailing around more and more on their boat and just kind of learned to love it, learned to sail a bit. They were incredible. Uh, Let us use the boat and then would come out with us. Yeah. And then just started looking for our own and ended up, ended up buying uh, what became Makushla, our Bayfield 40 out of Bayfield, Ontario on the lakes and sailed her home from there and did a couple of years of refit and then took her out. Yeah, you got your boat, Makushla. Am I saying that right, Makushla? Yeah, I think so. I feel like I'm butchering it. 
a little bit. Okay. So we bought her and she had a different name and we were going through her original documents. And in those original documents, it had her name, her original name, which was Makushla. I just started to slowly fall in love with that. And then I looked it up and it's Irish Gaelic for what I was able to research as the pulse of my heart or sweetheart. Then we recently met a man who speaks Irish uh, Gaelic and said it also means friendship and camaraderie. So just the whole thing was, it was just a really beautiful name. So we renamed her back to her maiden name. We may be butchering the name too, but that's how I say it. (laughs) Can I ask, what was the boat's um, other name? I don't think you're allowed to say it, or maybe because I'm not on the boat anymore. You know, sailors are superstitious. Uh, (laughs) superstitious bunch um her original na- or her name when we bought her was starting monday starting Start monday, monday. Yep. <laughs> also a funny catchy yes. name <laughs> you know i know for listeners who are unaware missy is married to kyle who's a pilot had served was in the national guard Correct. right the air national guard he's a very handy handy guy likes to solve problems figure things out as do you as well so how did this whole idea come up of like, hey, let's let's sail through, you know, the Panama Canal and uh, across the Pacific and see what happens? Like, how does that even form and then become an actual, you know, reality? Raina, if you know the answer, you, you let me know. I don't know. I'm still... Yeah, it, um, I don't know how it becomes reality. Um, COVID really played into that for us. It was a huge part of it, actually. So we took off out of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, uh, September 2019. And at the time, we were uh, gearing ourselves up a little bit more for about six months on the boat, six months off. And we got down to the Caribbean and we're about to put her up uh, for hurricane season, which is pretty standard come about April, May timeframe. And COVID hit. It was 2020. And so, you know, a long chain of events and things happening. We stayed on the boat while we tried to figure it, figure out what we were going to do. Um, and eventually just the way the world progressed and the way things progressed with Kyle and his career and furloughs and things is it, it led us to the opportunity to stay on the boat and take advantage of the fact that we we could stay on her full time, I guess. And it gave us the opportunity to do the Pacific, something we that was way more maybe a long term, long retirement plan. A lot of that just because of the the long passages and the time frame needed to do those and our ability to take that much time off wasn't really feasible prior to that. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was our COVID blessing in disguise. It's really. (laughs) For sure. It's interesting how, you know, COVID was such a funny time for so many people. It obviously brought some tragedy, but it's in some regards, it also brought opportunity to different people. I mean, some of the people I've been talking to, the entrepreneurs, COVID actually gave them the chance to start their business because they had a chance to think and slow down. And for you guys, it gave you this incredible chance to have this amazing adventure. Talk us through what is that like going across the Pacific? Like how many days are you at sea by yourselves with no land? 
how do you prep for that in terms of food and water? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like all those logistical things that happen. What is that like? Yeah, I've tried so hard to to encapsulate that into words for myself, for others. And I've, I don't know how to do it in a great way that, that really does. It's, it's one of the most insanely challenging and insanely rewarding experiences all wrapped up into the exact same moment in time. Yeah. So the, the prep for it is, uh, we'll just start there. (laughs) So we were, there are two pretty long passages once we left the Panama Canal. Uh, we went from Panama to French Polynesia. Uh, that one took us 27 days. And then from French Polynesia to Fiji, that one took us, that one actually took us 17 days. We were pretty slow going that way. So those were two really, really long, long breaks of time out at sea, obviously. So the, so the prep for that is intense. And gosh, I couldn't have done it without all the people that have gone before and just reading books and and asking people and knowing what to do. So we we always prep for three times what the anticipated time away is just because things happen. I was just reading about a couple that's out there right now who's uh, lost all their rigging. So their mass came down and they lost their sails, which when you don't have the fuel, at least in the kind of boats we were, you know, or the boat we were in, you don't have the fuel to just push, push through. So it can be pretty, pretty intense. So you want to be prepared for all that. So I have an amazing friend uh, and a buddy boat, um, our friends on Wild Thing who've been with us through the whole thing. And her and I did all the food prep and planning. So you had another family and another boat that was going to do the passage at the same time as you? Yep. So we had. Okay, that's nice. Oh, it was amazing. So we have this family that we met while we were in lockdown and just like everything just worked out and we were able to go from all the way from the Caribbean to Fiji with them. So, so that was great. So I had someone to bounce ideas off of, but you, you know, you, you just, you prep a lot of food, a lot of canned goods. You hope to catch fish. At least we were fishing. So we, you hope to catch fish and we were insanely lucky with that, that we did, but you have to be able to bank on that. So it's just a lot of rice and noodles and I mean, gratefully that there is a lot of that stuff available in Panama. So, yeah, that's true. Cause you have to get the groceries for wherever you're at before you, you know, make that journey. So you're like, okay, what's at the local markets? What can we pick up? What can we buy? And when you made the passage, it was you, your husband, Kyle and your friend, Matt, right? Yep, It was the three of us who um, Matt is the one he and his wife have the boat on the Great Lakes and the first ones we learned how to sail with. So Super connected, obviously. Yeah, and so he was able to come along with us and be our third and be a helpful crew member. How does that work on that day-to-day basis? Like, do you guys each have a shift where you're steering the boat or in charge and then another person sleeps? You know what I mean? Because you have to sail all night long. It's not like you go to bed and hope that the boat goes in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah. So how does that work? We get some pretty funny questions like, where do you anchor for the night? (laughs) You don't. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. So everybody has a different way of handling it. Um, So for that long passage, we had three of us. And for the passage to Fiji, it was just Kyle and I. And for many of our two to three day passages, we're just Kyle and I. So it is 24-7, nonstop. 
the difference is it's not quite like a, you know, like a car where you're driving and, and completely like nonstop alert. But we ran, we ran shifts through the night and we started them from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. was how we ran our shifts. And we, we did a rotational setup. So whoever had first shift the first night had mid shift the second night and would have last shift the third night. And then mid shift was always three hours, no matter what. And the other two varied just depending on when everybody went to bed or woke up. And that's how, so some, it, some mornings people slept till like noon and the person who was on the morning shift just ran it. But you knew then you'd be going into a long night of sleep the next night for yourself. So that's how we did it. And it seemed to really work because it gave you at least one night every three nights where you had uninterrupted sleep in theory. If Yeah, that's nice. In, exactly. In, in theory. theory. But it's something to look forward to. You're like, okay, I can, I can make this sacrifice now because I'll have a nicer night of sleep down the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how we did it. And then during the days, it was just kind of um, Kyle being the captain is always on alert and in charge and you know, would have a whole different answer to this. Um, but we all just kind of, you're just alert and awake and everybody's just a little bit more awake when there's daylight hours. So, and, you know, I, I've said this before too, in all of this, there were three people on that boat and each of the three of us would tell a completely different story and had a completely different experience of, of what it was and what our roles were and, and our story. This is just mine. some of the neatest moments I'm sure it's hard to pick out because there were so many amazing things you saw and experienced but can you highlight a few for us sure of um, like the passage or the whole experience I guess let's talk about the whole experience gosh for me some of the most so um, I get murderously seasick so the the passage part of it and the long sails aren't exactly my forte I don't I don't love them so those aren't going to be the highlights of the experience, but they got me to, to experience just some parts of this world that are just so beautiful in a way that's like, I want to say magic, but that's getting a little bit cliche. But again, I just don't have the way to explain uh, just some of, for me, the big part of it is the the people and meeting, meeting people in different cultures and just seeing seeing the different way people do life, both cruisers and people living in these different parts of the world. And it just like, it changes your perspective. You know, as you know, as as someone too, who's lived overseas or a fellow traveler, it just really, it really just makes you see things differently and really appreciate, appreciate different cultures and ideas and ways of living. Yeah. So that, and then gosh, just our, beautiful planet I like being able to see some of the stuff out there and I have just a whole new level of respect for the ocean I bet (laughs) oh my goodness in all her amazing beautiful feisty ways man she's just incredible what were some cool creatures that you saw like sea creatures or I don't know birds anything (laughs) saw a lot of boobies uh oh yeah booby birds, <laughs> booby birds. 
just to clarify for the listeners. <laughs> they had to have been named by a sailor at some point, I'm sure. They're pretty funny little, no they're really funny creatures, actually. We, we sailed right by the Galapagos. We weren't allowed to stop um, because of COVID. But while we happened to go by there and our engine broke and there was no wind, so we were... Which was really not a terrible thing. Um, So (laughs) we were just kind of stuck floating. Um, This incredible sea lion came up to the boat and was swimming around the boat. And each of us took turns jumping in and swimming with him. And he just was like such a cool, friendly. It was just such a cool creature to just kind of see something like that, like out in the middle of middle of the ocean in their in their environment, just doing their thing. And equally as curious about us as we were about them oh it was incredible so yeah that would be so neat that's cool yeah that was really cool and then once you get into some of the islands and where stuff is a bit more alive like where the reefs and things are the just the sea life that comes in the um, manta rays and the sharks and dolphins while you're out there swimming is just it's it's just it's incredible it's incredible to see them in their just in their natural states coming from a, you know, Wisconsin growing up in the Midwest where that's like, <laughs> that is not happening over no, here at all. No. So I think it was just such a beautiful new experience to kind of watch, watch that. I have to give you a, a lot of credit a for doing the journey. Cause it is so intense. It, it freaks me out. <laughs> I think it's so awesome that you did it. I was like, I don't know if I can do it. That I also get really seasick. So, and I know you said that you do as well. How did you overcome that, or I guess manage it? Because uh, that's that's pretty hard when you feel like you're going to throw up all the time. Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest, you know, obviously personal challenges for me, and one of the l- largest challenges for Kyle and I together as a couple in terms of moving the boat and where to go. And I. I couldn't have done it without him and his support. We just learned he had to be okay single-handing, um, and and he was, and he allowed me to sleep. So, so for the most part, um, gosh, I wish I had a cure. I wish I knew, and I wish I could just be like, "Hey, ladies, gentlemen, if you get sick, do this." And I and I've never figured it out, but I I did learn a lot about myself. Health made a huge difference. So prior to passage, just being insanely hydrated, eating well. I also made sure to have lots of snacks that were easily accessible and somewhat healthy to grab and go um, as I went. Yeah, and then we we had the boat stocked with a ridiculous amount of varying sea sick medicines all the way up to full IV bags if it got really bad and, you know, think everything that I never we never it never got to that point but it's obviously a fear when somebody gets so sick they can't recover do you think sailing is it more mental or physical thinking back to the journey what's or is one more challenging than the other just Mm. that mental state of you know being out in the middle of nowhere on a boat and being okay with it or just physically hauling rope or (laughs) I'm not even sure what you do when you sail, <laughs> pulling things. And <laughs> oh man, that's a really good question. Um, and again, this is going to be—you know—you you can have two people on a boat and have two really different experiences. I think if you brought Kyle down, it would—he would have the opposite. But for me, it's a mental. 
the one, the seasick and, and mentally getting over that and that um, I personally would get so frustrated that my body wasn't cooperating and I would, it would send me very south, very fast. I have a funny story. I think I might've told you about it. So I had my birthday on the long passage coming over on the month long passage and the boys beautifully for my birthday, their gift to me was to take my shift through the night which everybody, right, would be like, hell yeah, I'm going to bed. Yes. <laughs> and I lost it. I like, I like, didn't want them to take away the one thing that I could do that was like providing something for the boat and for the pass. You know, it was just, I clearly needed sleep. <laughs> In hindsight, I knew I needed sleep yeah. when I didn't want to give up my work shift. Yeah, but... Yeah, it, I mean, it, I'm getting, I just, I get emotional even now talking about it. Mentally, it was, it was really challenging. And even when I was feeling good, it's a, it's, it's a mental struggle to, to not be able to pull yourself out of a situation when, when you need to, a break. So when you need to just pull over and, and need a break from the, the sea or need a break from the movement or need a break from the rig banging. There's no break. It's just, a. it's always there and there's no, you can't stop it. And that's, it's a really interesting mental place. It takes you. Right. I feel like that would be so challenging because in any other situation you can leave your house or get out of the car or whatever. And here it's like, you can't, you, you are there yeah. until you get to the next place. Yeah, wherever all, that is, all the things you've taught yourself or learned, or just like ways to you know set it down and walk away, and and yeah, it was just it it was a whole paradigm shift of of how to mentally change that the challenge and and therefore the reward was the mental part. It's really really I think changed how I see a lot of things and handle situations and. I bet it's got to only build strength in the end that you can do really hard things and, and stick with them and know that you're going to make it yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a beautiful way to put it. What advice do you have for someone who's interested in sailing? It, it seems like more and more, especially throughout the pandemic, people are getting into van life and more and more people are getting into living on boats. Um, did you notice a lot of people live in this the sail life or the cruise life is that what you call <laughs> yeah, it cruisers <laughs> the cruisers, cruisers okay boat life, the cruisers. Yeah. live aboards i think is another you know term yeah yes and no at first a lot of people were getting out of it just because it was it was pretty challenging and it was it was pretty scary in that you are kind of your own floating nation in a way <laughs> you know, you feel a little bit lost when you're floating in somebody else's territory in their country when the world isn't really sure what it's spitting out and what's going to happen next. So, and ourselves included, just a lot of people chose to either go home or sell boats or, you know, stick it out. Um, but at the same time, I think there was a huge break in people buying boats during that time, just because it was really challenging to get into countries and yada 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 so there was a large gap and now as the world's opening back up again we're definitely seeing 
quite a few more people coming back out to it. And a lot of younger people, which is pretty cool to see. I think it used to be kind of the, a retirement. You know, people would do it at towards the towards the end after they were they were done working, and now people are doing it. You know, prior to starting a career or as their career, which is insane to see and really incredible. So yeah, there, and it's cool. There's quite a variety of people out there now doing it. Yeah, that's that's really neat. It's surprising. I mean, you're the only person I know who who's done this crazy adventure. <laughs> which I love. <laughs> but I, yeah, I know you're not the only one, but still, you know, five years ago, would you have believed what you've done? You know what I mean? Like five years ago, Missy, would you have been like, I'm going to go sail across the Pacific and live in Fiji for eight months? No, heck no. Five years ago, Missy used to send Kyle off with his buddy Matt on their boat and I would meet them as they were coming in with dinner. And I was like, I'm not going out there. It's awful. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's funny yeah and look what happened look what happened if you'd like to learn more about missy's adventure with her husband kyle please check our show notes i'll have links to missy's youtube and social media handles which is called four sheets to the wind as always thank you for listening to you betcha she did if you like what you're hearing Don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, or even leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time. You Betcha She Did is brought to you by the Ladies First Digital Media Company helping female entrepreneurs launch and manage podcasts and YouTube channels. Find out more at their website, www.ladiesfirstdigitalmedia.com.